Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here with Philip Matthew. As we bring you Talking in Circles, we'll preview this weekend's race from Darlington Raceway, now known as the Real Heroes 400 from Darlington Raceway. We'll also discuss uh, new races that have been added to the NASCAR schedule, what this means. A bunch of races uh, lose, a bunch of racetracks lose dates here for 2020. Pocono, Michigan, Iowa, all on the chopping block and, mo- and more, uh, all on the chopping block here um, in the last day or two that have come down and, and have canceled races, but NASCAR announced today. Additional races, we'll get to that as well. Plus, we'll take your phone calls, 917-889-8280. That is the number to call here tonight on Talking Circles if you want to join the show at any time. Um, Philip, I want to get talking about Darlington Raceway. Uh, first, really, 400-mile race at Darlington we've seen in a long, long time. They drew for uh, starting positions today. Brad Keselowski ended up on the pole. Then it's Alex Bowman, Matty Benedetto, Kyle Busch, Eric Amarola, Kevin Harvick, Ryan Blaney, Jimmy Johnson, Joey Logano, and Denny Hamlin, your top 10 other notables. Matt Kenseth, uh, Chase Elliott starts 11th. Matt Kenseth is going to start 12th. Uh, also, you got William Byron. He starts from the he will start from the uh, 18th position. Ryan Newman returns in the sixth. He's starting 21st, um, and so on and so forth. So if you you want to see where your favorite driver is starting, uh, you can go to jayski.com or wherever you get your NASCAR news. As a officially true for starting positions today, I uh, was shown on on Race Hub earlier this evening. There, but uh, to me, not really a huge factor about where we start at Darlington. But what do you expect to see? I mean. Um, we're going to have that competition caution come out and really teams can then work on their race cars and really um, change a lot more things than they have in the past. But what are your thoughts here on, on what we're going to see here at Darlington Raceway? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting having a third. They're going to have it at lap 30. I, I was able to find it on through the race page uh, for JC. Uh, we're discussing the modified, the modified competition caution rules, which basically you're going to see the top 20 at lap 30 come in on lap one when the pits are open, then the second 20 on lap two, and then they'll do it again. So basically that caution is going to be akin to what a stage caution, usually a stage break caution, which usually runs between five and eight laps. It's going to be like that, except teams are going to be able to go in twice and keep their positions as long as they beat the pace car. And for some of these teams, who knows what their, their, uh, you know, their sim game is because the engineering science of it all might come in, is going to come into play because you're going to have to get off the truck back. Because there isn't, their first lap they're going to run is, they're going to run, what, two, two, three pace laps, and the first lap hot that they're going to run is green flag. And so it'll be interesting to see some of the teams that are a little further back. They might be a little more competitive. You know, the Red, uh, the Reddicks and and Chris Bell, some of these rookies that have been that are that are standouts. Of course, Row Eleven with Ryan Newman coming back and Kurt Busch, who's a veteran and has done very well at Darlington at times. And you consider Matt Kenseth making his first start since Homestead 2018, and he'll be starting 12th uh, on Sunday. 
it's, I think the, it's the initial race is going to be about getting to the caution, the last 30 cautions, staying on the lead lap and not wrecking the race car. And then from there, I think we'll start kind of seeing who's really got something to work with in terms of this race being the first 400-miler uh, they've had since uh, Jimmy Johnson when I think March 2004, so or April 2004 or whatever. And so it'll be interesting to see some of the – I think it'll be a little more conservative – but we'll, I guess we'll find out. I figure a lot of the big-name guys are already up there. Uh, some guys will be chomping at the bit to lead. I figure Kyle Busch is probably going to take the lead early and want to lead out to that caution, but we'll see. Yeah, I think totally you're you're right on that. You know, it was funny. I was asked this question earlier about what will happen in, uh, with this modified caution rule. And I um, just want to kind of run through it quick before I give my opinion on it. So Phillip's absolutely correct, but I, I just want to give more detail on it that we have. So uh, the field will be frozen at the time of the competition caution, which will be lap 30 uh, for the 400-miler at Darlington on May 17th. The rest of the races, they haven't really announced what lap they're going to throw it, but for Sunday, for purposes, it's going to be lap 30. field will be frozen at the time of the competition caution. The field will then assemble behind the pace car. Uh, the running order slash lead lap down cars will be established and a free pass will be sent. So they're really going to get the, the field in order, figure it out, and then the free pass will be sent around. Wave around rule will not be in effect. So if you're not the if you're not the car, you can't really stay out here like like they you could if it was a normal competition caution. Um, you couldn't stay out and take the wave around if you wanted. So you can't do that. Um, so they're not going to let they're not going to let you do that. Then um, pit road will be open for the top twenty. Cars must be beat the pace car off pit road to remain in the freeze position. Same thing with the next 20 cars. Cars must be must beat the pace car off pit road to retain their freeze position. And then you can pit again. Each team's allowed to pit two times and reestablish the lineup per freeze and then restart the race. Um, so that's how they're describing it. Infractions under the competition caution. Not beating the pace car off of pit road will result in a loss of a lap and restarting at the tail end of the field. Pitting more than twice or out of sequence results in restarting at the tail end of the field. All current pit road rules will be in effect. So that's how the rules are going to run there. Um, it is going to be interesting to see how exactly it plays out as far as what these, how these drivers race. That's what I'm really curious to see. You know, you're right, Philip. I totally think that you're going to see these drivers and teams almost take this first 30 laps as a practice session. Let me see where I'm at. Let me see where I go. And, um, you know, there's not a ton of changes they can make because of the fact that they, uh, you know, they have to stay on the lead lap. So it's not like they could take, you know, make a completely different change. I'm giving curious if that rule changes at all when we get to Talladega in a couple of weeks uh, in June, if that rule changes at all where they're going to say, oh, you have to stay on the lead lap because you have so long there under caution, you can change a lot of things. I'll be curious to see if that changes. But I'm getting sidetracked here. But for Darlington, I am going to be interested to see how these guys race. They haven't raced two two months. You know, they're, they're chomping at the bit to, to, to really uh, – to really race hard and, and um, you know, but I think these next 30 laps, these first 30 laps are going to be sort of feeling where everybody's at. And then, you know, you can make some drastic changes there during that competition caution. I'm very curious to see uh, how that all plays down. How about you, uh, Spencer Cowan, who's joining us now? Um, you know, how do you, what do you think about this competition caution, what we're going to see here at Darlington this weekend? Do you think the first 30 laps are going to be tame or do you think we're going to see a little bit of wildness because none of these drivers have been in their race cars? Nobody knows what they have. Uh, what are your thoughts? 
Well, I think you still have to be smart, you know, just because, you know, it's unfortunate how all this virus has come about and, um, and they've been out of racing and, but there's still a championship at the end of the season. And you don't want to go out there the first 30 laps and tear up your car. Um, and then, you know, you're already, you've been out for two months and you come back and you, you know, you put yourself in kind of a, a hole cause we only ran four races. So we're not that far into the season. So you can still really hurt your season. Um, and, you know, really, you know, have a really bad day and you have to play catch up. Um, so I don't know. It's with the caution coming, you would like to think that they would be smart and kind of like you said, just run this practice session and you know get uh, get your feet wet. You know, um, you know I, I, these guys have been doing it for years. They're not going to forget how to do it. But you know, you're out of a race car for a little bit. It's going, you know, you're going to need a little bit to you know get the feel back for a little bit. Um, and that's what I'm thinking that most of these guys would do is just kind of run around, see what they got. Um, cause you know, they just kind of got to go for it, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I think it's going to be tame. That's my, that's what I would guess. But then you might have these guys that are like, heck, let's go for it. Uh, you know, our car's really good. Let's just go ahead and get to the front, um, and try to stay there. So we'll have to see. It's definitely different. That's for sure. Yeah. There could be that guy who capitalizes on this. Everybody being, you know, real conservative and say, I'm going to be aggressive. How about, Philip, how about this thought process? You know, are there some drivers that you think will benefit from that as far as, you know, do you think the veteran drivers will come out and say, you know, I, I've kind of dealt with pretty much everything I know about a race car. I've dealt with every setup I can possibly think of. If my car's really off, I can at least muscle it around and, and, and give it a, a, you know, keep us com- competitive enough to keep us on the lead lap. Or do you think, you know, uh, some of these younger drivers who might be aggressive might sit there and say, you know, I'm going to take it. Because I think, you know, as much as we're talking about these guys, um, you know, being not aggressive and, and taking it easy, you know, those 30 laps are still going to count. And you got guys towards the rear of this field, uh, particularly somebody I look at where Christopher Bell starts 28th. Um, you know, you got a front row motorsports cars and Michael McDowell, John Hernandez, in, in 31st and 34th. Ty Dillon starting 33rd. Some of those real competitive teams up the, uh, back there we're going to need to stand and lead lap if they won't have any shot of having a decent run there. So um, what are your thoughts on, on, on that? Is there a, a certain type of driver that you think will benefit more from, from something like this? And, and even Matt Kenseth, who's running his first race in a year and a half, uh, do you think a veteran like him will benefit the most? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think for Kenseth, they, that, it's going to be a project to figure things out. I, they're, it's going to be an R&D session for them in the 42 with him and Chad Johnson, who's had a checkered uh, career, to say the least. Uh, they're trying to maintain what they have in terms of owner's points. I think they're R&Ding for Wednesday night as much as anything, try to get a top 15 finish. I think the guys like Chris Bell, uh, Tyler Reddick, those two guys specifically, and then I would say the two, like Priest, Busher, those are guys that want to move up. There is going to be an, a definite uh, level. There's based and changes. There's going to be cars that are really, really slow out there, and they're going to go lap down very early. But you don't want to lose a lap of 30 laps, which is entirely possible. You smack the wall once really good, 
you're going to probably lose a lap and you've already basically ruined your day in 30 laps. You do not want to be that guy. It's, the young guys, I think, are going to push. I know that, that Tyler Reddick's going to want to push. That's who he is. Chris Bell's had a tough start to his rookie campaign. He's going to want to move. John Hunter, you know, you mentioned McDowell. Some of those guys, they're going to want to move up, get some fast position so that they actually are in position during the free, when they freeze the field. Because really the race starts at that point. There is this mini race practice for 30 laps where you just have to maintain. And then after that, you have another, whatever, 260, 250 laps to go. And that's the race right there. You really have to start from there and work on your strategy. And I would say that, you know, you consider Kevin Harvick and how he's kind of chomping at the bit. I think Jimmy Johnson is another guy uh, looking for number 84, long layoff. And the Toyotas in general, because in recent history, the Toyotas have done really well at Darlington Raceway. So, like I mentioned Kyle Busch earlier, of course, Denny Hamlin's on there multiple times. Eric Jones is the defending winner of the Southern 500. Martin Truex is on the Southern 500. So it wouldn't be shocking if those Toyotas are up there, uh, Kevin Harvick's up there. I think that kind of runs par for the course. The Penske guys have been competitive at times, all of them, at Darlington. So, I mean, the same the same people that usually run up front there and the same people that usually run up front of the week. But the thing that will be interesting is to see if those rookies can stay patient enough while trying to gain practice and not wreck their race car in 30 laps before they even get to a competition. Yeah, and, and some of these guys who – and you brought up Reddick's a good point too. Um, you know, they're starting close to the rear of the field behind – Drivers who they normally wouldn't start behind. You know, Garrett Smithley is one of the drivers I look at. No disrespect to him, but he's with a team that uh, isn't all that competitive. So, you know, Quinn Howe, too. So, you know, they're going to have to really, at least for the first 10, 15 laps, really sort of, of walk on eggshells there with their race cars because they don't want to tear it up. And it could be a long day. You need those stage points. You need everything you can possibly get. If you do really have a good race car, if you're Bell or Reddick or somebody like that, um, you know, you've got to be aggress- aggressively patient, but you can't be too patient and sit in the back and say, oh, I'll be all right because the leader's going to be coming. Um, so, you know, and if your car is just a little bit off and you're starting back there, uh, you're, you're in a tough, tough spot. That's, that's the one thing, you know, um, about some of these teams that are starting in the back is they kind of got a raw deal because, you know, they could have a really good race car. They could have a, you know, and not be able to move up to the field because of track position, or they could have a car that doesn't handle so well and they're just a little bit off, and they drop the 28th to get, get a, a lap down, and, and since you don't have the wave around, you can't take it until at least the next uh, caution, which will be 60 laps, and it could make a long night for you. So how about you, Spencer? Do you got anybody in your mind that you think uh, maybe stands out here as having an advantage or maybe even a disadvantage uh, with, with these, you know, um, with these whole, uh, you know, looking at it saying um, with with the 30 laps and then you – they freeze the field. Is there anybody that sits there and, uh, you know, stands out to you as having an advantage or maybe even a disadvantage? Um, not really. I mean, it's just 
it's tough to say. Um, you're not really, you can't, I mean, it's, you can sit here and say this and say that, but you don't really know until, um, you know, the green flag drops and you see who has what, cause you're not going to know who has what, uh, the drivers aren't even going to really know what they have. So, yeah, it's just, um, I'm, I'm ready to get back to race. I'm ready to see how it's going to go. And, um, I, it's like I said, you can sit here and say this and say that, but, um, I can't really sit here and tell you, uh, who I think so-and-so is going to do. So, um, we'll just have to see. Yeah. It's really a question mark as far as how, how these guys are going to perform because we haven't had the it track in two months. If you remember, we sort of went out West for a little while, came back. Um, so it, it's sort of up in the air. Nobody really knows. Nobody really remembers who was fast, who struggled, who didn't struggle kind of, kind of deal. So, um, it is a, a certainly a question mark as far as who will perform. Some interesting things came out uh, this week as well prior to getting ready for the um, entry list for Darlington Raceway. Uh, one of the things was that we will have expanded fields in the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series. And if you're unfamiliar with it, I'll, I'll rehash the news with you. So the Xfinity Series normally this year has chopped the field down this year. Prior to this year, they chopped the field down to 36 uh entries that will now be a maximum of 40 entries um and post entries will no longer be eligible for the event if you're curious positions 36 through 40 will only receive one point for the gander outdoor and rv truck series uh it's going to be maximum 40 entries as well that's eight extra entries up up from their 32 normal entries um so that's interesting to, to, to keep an eye on as well um i guess my question to you is uh spencer then we'll go to philip um do you think this was a good move by NASCAR as far as ask as why, uh, you know, adding entries to the field and really not creating, um, you know, any go or go home scenarios for any of these teams that are in the Xfinity series and truck series, at least for the near future? Oh, I feel like for now it's, uh, you know, I don't, I, you know, I'm not in the offices making these decisions. Um, you don't want to see too many cars. And I think we would all agree to that, but you know, we used to have 43, um, back in the day. And I don't remember the last year they stopped that. Um, I mean, they got for them to have 40 and they're not going to really see any go or go homers. And for them to add that many in the trucks, um, eh, I, I wouldn't say it's too bad. I mean, they could add it more. And I think it's, uh, it's good for, you know, smaller teams, you know, this is a tough time for everybody. And uh, I think it's good that, you know, you know, these little teams that have been out of racing and, um, you know, they can now go to the racetrack and know that they're going to make the race and get a little bit of pay, whether they finish last or um, up on into the field. So I think it's good for those teams. Um, They don't have to really worry about going out and, you know, missing the race. Um, which is good. I mean, like I said, the small teams, you know, this is hurting them. You know, they got, you know, they only got a handful of employees because they're not big, you know, they can't afford to pay all these people. And um, I think that's a positive out about it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's going to help them. And, you know, we just have to, you know, everybody just has to get through this. It's a difficult time. So uh, that I do like, you don't, them little teams don't have to sit there and, uh, you know, worry about that and not worried about having enough money to pay them guys. So, um, that's cool. I applaud NASCAR for that. If that was their intention on doing it. Um, and I'm sure it was a little bit. So, um, if for that case, I, I think it's okay. Yeah. That's my question is the intention. And, you know, we can hash out all we want to, or try and figure out exactly what the thought 
process was behind it. Um, but, you know, you get to the point in the Xfinity Series where it's not as bad, I guess, when you look at it from the Xfinity Series because only four cars are adding. But for the Truck Series, you're adding eight. Uh, it's a, even in, in the Truck's heyday, they only had 36. So adding eight entries to the Truck Series seems a little excessive. And what you get worried about at that point is how many teams are going to start and park. And I guess, Philip, I'll ask you, uh, what do you think was the thought process behind this uh, addition to the Truck Series and Xfinity Series fields? Obviously, we don't. We're not. These, this is only in effect for races. We won't have qualifying. It seems like a lot of these races moving forward won't have qualifying. Um, but what do you think was the thought process behind adding these extra entries in the Truck Series and the Xfinity Series um, from NASCAR? I think it was mainly to help out the teams that aren't running every single week. I mean, if you're committed to running the full season, then you're going to have owner points or whatever machination that they determine starting fields anymore. They don't have the, the entry blanks and post-entry crap. They, they don't want to go through any of that. And because they're not doing qualifying, they're trying to figure out, on one way, they're trying to figure out a way to get as many vehicles to the racetrack as they can because they're actually going to pay out a little more, supposedly. What that means is they're going to pay out to 40th for trucks. And, I mean, I don't think they're going to be giving them buck ninety five to show up. I, I think there will be at least a decent amount of money. I mean, there's an, there's a lot, not really, because they don't really get I think for the people like Timmy Hill and his brother who run uh, limited schedule, some of those other teams that run limited, like the, the what do you call, like EGR Crosley, who really only has one full-time truck this year, they have multiple trucks. You have Nice who has multiple trucks. You get all these teams that are really not fully committed uh, running the whole the whole deal. I never understood why they keep on narrowing the field down until they think, oh, you're going to get rid of starting parts. In the end, there are competitive trucks that went home from Daytona because of the stupidity of the format that they have, at least for the next however many months, two months, whoever shows up, at least a couple of TPA races they're going to be able to run, they'll be able to show up and run. What they do with that is up to them and how NASCAR approaches it uh, between now and this time next month is a whole other thing. I don't, I don't think it's as bad of a deal. I think it's an idea to try to see if it's a, if a trial balloon, as with a lot of these other things they're doing right now with the mission races, it's a trial balloon for 2021. Uh, they're also trying to figure out the viability of the truck series, I would assume, and uh, seeing if like K&N or, I mean, what do you call ARCA, uh, ARCA teams may commit to an Xfinity or truck deal. That all might be in play. We'll see. Uh, they don't have that many events. Uh, Xfinity has a few more. Uh, so, I mean, they're going to get right back on it in a sense. Junior came out and said he is going to run the one home race for junior fans. At least he'll be out there sliding around in the middle of the day uh, at at Homestead during one of those uh, races. They're going to have there. So it, it'll be. It really doesn't really. It doesn't change anything on the Xfinity side. It does change something for the truck, but you know, I guess we'll find out. We'll find out when they race that. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, it's very interesting to see um, how this will affect the sport. And I understand where, um, for a lot of points, you're great. They certainly are. You know, you don't want to affect part-time teams, but you know, and I agree with with the fact that um, it didn't make a lot of sense to, to trim the field. They, I think the reason why they did it was to sort of give the teams that participated more money at the end of the day. You know, if you cut the field and you keep sitting the money the same, you know, the, the money that was dis- distributed to the four teams that are now gone in the truck series, for example, when they trimmed them 36 to 32, you know, that money that was distributed to positions 33, 34, 35, and 36 are now going to be moved to spread evenly throughout the field. So it gives the teams a little bit more bang for their buck. Obviously that's not going to be the case anymore. Uh, I think, you know, these smaller teams are going to be hit harder as far as not getting as much incentive when they make the race, but there's still teams, and, and I think Junior's a good example, uh, somebody who's going to go to Homestead, Miami, and try and make the race there, um, and, you know, maybe would go home because he's not in high enough in owner points for whatever reason. So um, it is interesting. I'm curious to see how if, if more than the teams that are allotted come down. I'm, I'm curious to see exactly – uh, how that all works out. I, I hope, and and I don't mean to to knock on people, but I hope that the in the truck series especially that the um, that the minimum speed goes up a little bit because I just don't want to see some guy or some some truck series team come down and say, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to race Charlotte and be 15 miles an hour off the pace and and just get in the way of everybody out there. Uh, you know, I don't want to see that. So I hope. Um, they, they sit there and look at the minimum speed and say, you know what, we'll bump that up a mile an hour or two. Uh, they can make the race, but, you know, if they don't if, – if they're not picking up their speed, you know, early in that event, we're going to get them off the racetrack. So uh, hopefully that will be the case um, moving forward because that is my, one of my biggest fears is, is that. And, um, you know, just, just the fact that we're going to – I don't want to see a slower car or driver or team in a truck series. You know, it's not going to happen in Cup, I don't think. I don't think it's really going to even happen in Xfinity, but the trucks is what I'm worried about, especially when you got that – deep of, of uh, field there with, with that many entries, you could see some, some real teams that have, haven't made a race in a long time or have been struggling coming down and say, I got a truck, I might as well get paid. Um, so I just hope that they bump the minimum speed up a little bit here. 917-889-8280, that's the number to call. Got a couple other things I want to talk about. Obviously, NASCAR came out with a new schedule. We'll discuss that here at the end of the show. But um, something else I want to discuss here is a little bit of, of news, and it's going to tie into – to one another here. And the first part of it is that uh, Rick Ware Racing has bought Premium Motorsports, according to Bob Packers. If you missed that here, it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit because of, of the, all the COVID-19 stuff and, and the fact that we're going racing this weekend. But Bob Packers uh, put it on, on Twitter this week. He had a conversation with Rick Ware Racing. He has an agree- a purchase agreement in place to buy Premium and is now in control, the control person of the number 15 charter. He has a sponsor of the first 27 over 52, so his 52 is his 52 car is now the number 27 car. Um, he bought premium because he wanted to own two charters, and he he has that now with the 15 has a charter and the 27, which was the 52, which had a charter, uh, and he also has a lease partnership with two other charters in the 52 and uh, 51 and 53. So if you you, you know kind of uh, uh, convoluted and crazy there, but at the end of the day, Rick Ware Racing has purchased, I guess you could say purchased. Um, Premium Motorsports. Also, it was announced this week that Tommy Baldwin Racing will return to the Cup Series. 
Uh, it's going to be Josh Balicki, number seven, at Darlington Raceway uh, this weekend for Tommy Baldwin. Also, BJ McLeod Motorsports is coming down. They're going to do a number 78 entry. First time we've seen the number 78 since Front Row Racing had it, by the way. Uh, and BJ's going to run, he said, 15 races. Could be a lot more the rest of the year in the Cup Series. Baldwin, I think, you're going to see down a lot, too. He probably has Jay Robinson over there. He was part of Jay Robinson Racing. So I'm not sure how all this will shake out yet, but uh, there is a. it's been rumored for a while that Rick Ware has been interested in buying premium motorsports. It's officially done now. It sounds like it's officially done now where um, Rick Ware buying premium. And, and there's no doubt Spencer here. These are two teams that a lot of people consider bottom feeders, but uh, a significant purchase just by the fact that Rick Ware is going to have four charter teams now in the Cup Series and uh, he's got two that he owns. If he so chooses to, he doesn't. He, you know, he doesn't have to really do anything next year. Uh, he'll have two charters. So, what are your thoughts on on this whole Rick Ware buying Premium Motorsports? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much, you know, just mentioned. You know, there are two teams that um, nobody really pays a lot of attention to. The only reason I paid a lot of attention to Premium, oh, I mean, I didn't do a deep dive on them, but. Uh, I kind of follow him just because of Ross, you know, Ross, you know, drove the 15 car over there for a little bit, but you know, with Rick Ware buying it, I don't really think it's going to make the team any uh, better. And that's no offense. I'm, you know, um, so I, you know, I still think they're going to run, um, you know, around in the back and, you know, you know, I think he just did it because he wanted to, you know, he's charter. So, and that's what, you know, it's come to, you need to, you know, everybody wants to charter and, um, so, yeah, you know, it, it brought, um, you know, Gray back. Um, you know, he's going to be driving that with Panini trading cards at Darlington. So, um, you know, it, it, it was about a, a little bit last year or the end of last year or maybe it was the beginning of this year that uh, they were going to buy it. And so cool to see Gray back. I like him a little bit. Um, nice kid. Met him a few times. Good to see him back in the race car but I still think it's, you're still going to look at it and they're just going to be back at the bottom uh, lineup teams. And, um, you know, they're going to struggle for sponsorship every week. So, um, but yeah, he did what he had to do. I guess it's business. So, um, you know, everything is a business uh, these days. You have to make money and, you know, now his cars are locked in. You don't have to worry about nothing no more, like you said. So um, business choice. Yeah, and and I failed to mention you brought it up, Spencer. Thank you. Uh, that premium had control, also had control of the number seventy-seven Spire. I guess it's Spire Motorsports team. Uh, yeah. And and now they, who knows what the status of that team is? I'm not sure if Baldwin's helping that team out. Uh, Reed Sorensen, I think, is going to be in that car this weekend. So, you know, he's sort of been under the premium banner. It probably is going to be Premium Motorsports with, you know. It probably is Premium Motorsports just with the Spire name on it at that point. And Bald might run an open team and, and saw this opportunity with Baldwin, I should say. And saw this opportunity to sell, get some money for their charters, and move forward from there. How about you, Philip? I mean, um, we've seen this time and time again as far as uh, it seems like ownerships are going, going away here. Uh, but Rick Ware now, you know, part of me is happy about it because I sit there and I go, it's nice to see a, a team owner expand the four-car operation. That's that's tremendous. Great to see, especially in this economy right now with how we are, especially with NASCAR racing the way it is, uh, and, and we all hear about how owners are having a tough time making money. But also part of me looks at it and says, you know, if you took your resources from a four-car operation and put them into a two-car operation, you might be a little bit more competitive. 
Uh, and and I want to see. You know, I don't care as much as as far as the quality, the quantity of the teams, as far as I care about the quality of these race teams. And so, you know, I'm kind of torn on as as far as if I'm excited about this or if I'm not. What are your thoughts on this whole Rick Ware buying Premium Motorsports ordeal? Yeah, I mean, we we went over it when there was the Homestead debacle where where Rick Ware and Jay Robinson were trying to work in concert with each other to make sure that they got the open the top open team or something. So they told each other we're going to park our car at this time. That I think they decided to park cars with like 10 laps to go so that they could get ahead of the 96 through the 96 out of the open uh, bonus, the open team bonus, the $200,000 that came from that. That was one thing that when this was going on and Bob Pockers went and posted the convoluted nature that exists with this. And I talked about it yesterday as well. I mean, it's insane. I mean, it's, it's like if Rick Ware ever, for all the teams he has, and every single one of them sucks, uh, it would, it would, I would have more respect for the guy. I mean, he's running teams in like Asian Le Mans because he knows he can't win European or whatever, so that he can get to the 24 hours of money. He's going to drive around and be in the back there too. I don't know where, how, I mean, he must be in construction or oil or something. I don't know where this guy comes up with money to be able to own teams. Because I've never seen a Rick Ware vehicle in any race that has ever done anything. And if somebody wants to call in and tell me there's ever been one, then that would be the first time. Jay Robinson. So him going away doesn't really make sense. The fact that seven cars in some way, shape, or form are connected to Rick Ware at the back of the field, it it, it makes it laughable that Rick Hendrick cried wolf about Jack Roush making the playoff, the, the chase with five, all five of his teams and crying wolf about that, and they needed to make the four-car limit. Because now between between all these different convoluted deals they got going on, the four-car limit, he's got seven cars out there, basically, with Rick Ware. So he's connected to the quad that he's ran for, for Rick Ware. Rick Ware and him kind of have a deal going on. Tommy Baldwin's connected within the whole Jay Robinson thing. I mean, B.J. McQuad is in... Tommy Baldwin's old shop with his push to Xfinity team and now his cup team. So it's like, in the end, it's a case of chasing money. I feel bad for the guys like Carl Long who are actually legitimately trying to do this the right way. I feel bad for Gaunt brothers who are actually trying to make something of their situation. Taking Daniel Suarez, who's a guy who has some semblance of talent, has won a championship before with Toyota, and trying to make something happen there. I feel bad for those guys. Uh, and some of these other smaller teams that have some, you know, history behind them because they're trying to do it right. Because there's nothing that you can connect to Rick Ware Racing or, 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 or Premium Jay Robinson or Spire, for that matter, that involves anything positive. Only uh, in terms of on-track performance outside of death back in Tokyo 400 last July. Uh, I mean, granted, you know, the, the, there are people that are working, are able to work because these teams mm-hmm. exist. But when you're running 
two seconds off the pace, three seconds off the pace. It's the whole Garrett Smithley thing when he's in the middle of the in in the way and he costs people races the way he cost Chase Briscoe an Xfinity win last year at Kansas, the way he was in the way of Kyle Busch last year at Vegas during the playoffs. You know, like that's what I'm afraid. Like you talk about that construct, that's what I'm afraid of with the Cup series with Jay Robinson and and Rick Ware with running 50 lap tires on their car at Darlington and at some of these racetracks. It's going to be, it's going to look yeah. like a circus sideshow. Uh, but, you know, we'll and see you, what happens with that. You bring up a lot of good points. And, and one of them is the fact that they're going to have close to seven race cars that are going to be affiliated in some way or, or close to being affiliated, however you want to call it. And last year we saw a little bit of a, of a situation go on at, I think it was Homestead where the yeah. teams, uh, somebody pulled it in to, to get the open money last year, um, and, you know, there was all kinds of conversation on the radio about it, and, and it ended up being costing uh, Rick Ware and, I think, Premium Motorsports some money and, and people getting suspended and all that kind of stuff. And it's sort of been forgotten about thing in the season starting, and it happened, you know, in December. It was all, I think it was even November before Thanksgiving. It was announced that that happened, but you know, that's sort of, of what another potential we could see. And, you know, there's no question. I, I think part of me blames NASCAR in a way because, you know, when they originally came out with this charter thing, they said, well, we're not going to really allow charters to swap in the middle of the year, be sold in the middle of the year. Well, here we are. You know, and, and uh, you know, Baldwin did it in the middle of the year when he got out. Um, we've seen so many ridiculous things go on with the charters. I mean, the Wood Brothers charter came from the 32 car, but uh, somehow, you know, it, it's still – they don't own the charter technically, but they do because it's still, uh, you know, um, based in St. Hilaire's charter, but he's got the charter from Joe Falk from the 30. It's just, it's a bunch of nonsense. And that's the one thing about the back end of the field, or even, you know, with this whole uh, business thing outside of NASCAR, it drives you nuts. You know, you even see it in the Xfinity series with the point swaps that go on, you know, with somebody putting, you know, and, and like I always say, if, if you and I know what's going on, um, you know, as far as um, if you and I know what's going on, you know, then NASCAR should know what's going on. If NASCAR could, could put up a red flag and say, guys, stop the nonsense. You know, I, but I think part of it is in the fact that, let's be honest, you know, if, if they put a, a kibosh on this, who knows how if we'd have 36 charters uh, in this field at, at one point, and that would be embarrassing. So, you know, there, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, and, and, you know, to me – at the end of the day, that's why this charter system is a joke. And, and, you know, I talked about the Xfinity Series owner points and truck series swaps and, and stuff like that. Uh, but to me, you could police that a little bit better if you're NASCAR for sure. And I think that's what I want. I just want at the end of the day is the policing to sort of come out and say, listen, we're not going to allow it. And that's why when I go crazy about things, like I know some people might have thought it was ridiculous about my Matt Kenseth going crazy about getting a waiver. This is where it stems from because, you know, well, we see with this one, I mean, even years ago, we saw owner points swap where uh, I remember the 55 car from Michael Walter Bracing somehow got the points from the 26 car to be in the top 35 and owner points uh, with that Latitude 43 Motorsports team back in the day. I mean, it was it's insane. And, and the fact that they let this nonsense go on, um, you know, that, that bothers the heck out of me. And, and that's why I, I come out, and I just want to make it clear, I come out and say, no, I want to see a, a, a written rule and just be enforced hard, like just have some guts and enforce a rule 
because every time they let a little bit, you know, get closer to the line and let that line get pushed further and further, it keeps getting pushed further and further and further, and then pretty much it's chaos. And that's what we've seen with this charter system. That's what we've seen with the four-car limit. That's what we've seen with pretty much everything that NASCAR has. And that's why with the Kansas situation, I was so uh, annoyed. 917-889-8280, that's the number to call here on Talking Circles. Moving on, guys, I want to talk about this uh, schedule that came out here today. NASCAR has announced additional races through June 21st. Now, if you weren't sure about the uh, original schedule with the Cup Series um, and, and what was originally announced here a couple of weeks ago, so let me kind of fill you in here. So obviously we run um, the first four races of the year with Daytona, Vegas, Auto Club, and Phoenix. We obviously run those those races. They're all completed. They were completed you know, in early March. Uh, and May 17th is going to be – that's this – uh, Sunday coming up, that's going to be the Real Heroes 400 at Darlington. Of course, then we have the, for the Cup Series uh, a 500-kilometer race at Darlington as well. Um, that's going to be on Wednesday, May 20th. The Cup Series will then go to the Charlotte Motor Speedway on Sunday. They'll run the Coca-Cola 600. Then they're going to run a 500-kilometer race at Charlotte Motor Speedway on May 27th. We've known that for a couple of weeks. Here's where the addition comes on. I'm going to explain it to you for the Cup Series side first. Then we can talk about the Xfinity and the Truck Series events as well. After the 500-kilometer race on Wednesday, May 27th at Charlotte Motor Speedway, they will on Sunday, May 31st, go to Bristol Motor Speedway and run the Food City 500. Then they will run the Sunday race on July on June 7th, excuse me. That'll be at Atlanta Motor Speedway, Folds of Honor, Quick Trip 500. Then another Wednesday event from Martinsville Speedway. It's going to be the Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief 500 from Martinsville Speedway. Then Sunday, June 14th, Homestead Miami Speedway, Dixie Vodka 400. And then it's July 20, June 21st, I should say, excuse me. Uh, that will be the Geico 500 from Talladega Super Speedway in Talladega, Alabama. A lot of anticipation for those races here coming up. Uh, also announced today, a couple of, of races have lost uh, some dates. I mentioned Iowa. They are out as far as their Xfinity and Truck Series dates. They are canceled for the entire year. Poconos lost both dates. Uh, as well. Um, so also you're going to see um, the Xfinity Series race at Mid-Ohio and the Gander Child Outdoor Truck Series race at Texas as have been canceled as well. Um, Michigan and National Speedway was canceled today. Uh, the June, At least the June event, they haven't announced what's going to happen um, for those events as well. So uh, lots of information I threw at you. Spencer, what are your thoughts on, on these new dates? A lot of uh, southeastern racetracks, you know, fans can't go to these racetracks. That's the one thing we've got to keep in mind here, of course. All these races are going to be without fans. Um, but southeastern racetracks sort of in driving distance within these uh, – with, within driving distance of the, of the team's shops, I think it's a huge deal. But what are your thoughts here on, um, on the additional races added to the NASCAR schedule? Well, you look at it, and they've they've been out for you know two months, you know, and you know we've you know that could you know you could have got eight races in, um, and that's a lot of racing missed. And you know NASCAR they don't really have a lot of off weekends as it is, so they are really busy all year trying to get all these races done. Um, you know, I applaud NASCAR for getting together um, and really coming together as you know the head office people and seeing what they can do. And at this point, you got to get the races in. Um, 
you know, we there's still going to be a championship at the end of it. Um, yeah, it's kind of odd seeing, you know, three races at Darlington and we're only supposed to have one, but they're making it easy on the teams. You mentioned it's close to the shops. Um, it doesn't make any sense right now to, you know, pedal to the metal all the way to California for Sonoma. Um, so this is going to be a weird, you know, this is going to be a NASCAR season that we won't forget. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in NASCAR you don't forget. Like, you're never going to forget Juan Pablo hitting the jet dryer. This is going to be one of those seasons. Um, it's 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 crazy. It's wild. It's unusual. Um, races getting canceled. We're running three races at Darlington. Um, you know, you just mentioned all the tracks that, you know, Pocono's not getting a race. Richmond lost one. So, I mean, you know, it's yeah, it, the season must go on. It, you know, it, it has to get done. There has to be a champion crowned at the end of the season. A champion um, must hold the trophy. So, um, you know, it's, they had to do something, and they reacted quick. And, you know, they had to do midweek races. So it's it's crazy. Um, it's definitely one for the books. Um, it's unfortunate the way all this came about. But, um, you know, they had to do something. So you can't really get on to NASCAR for what they did. Um, it's just I'm glad they're going back racing. No fans, as you mentioned. But, you know, um, they they did the best they could, and they got it together. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, um, you know, a lot of these were expected. And let me correct something I said earlier about Pocono. It's not canceled yet. I must have um, read some fake news on uh, social media. I think some of us have been guilty of that at times. Um, but let, let's get back to your points for sure. I think it, that's ultimately the goal is keeping everybody safe and, and getting these races completed. Uh, and at the end of the day, um, I, I, you know, to me, Philip, this is sort of a throwback to what we saw kind of like, you know, back in the 90s where you had so many races in the North South Carolina area, Virginia area, um, you know, and obviously we didn't run three times at Darlington. We never, we've never done that. But I'm not crying, you know, as this is horrible to say, but, you know, Michigan, the people up in Michigan, great, you know, if you love your racetrack, I, I appreciate that. But, you know, to me, if somebody came out tomorrow and said, we're going to put, replace Michigan's date with Darlington or give another date to Martinsville or whatever, um, I would have been I would have been like, yeah, let's do it. So I'm not shedding any tears about that because I think a lot of the racetracks, a lot of the, the fun racetracks are in the southeast um, where racing was great. So uh, I, I, I want to make it clear I'm not <laughs> upset about the schedule at all i think it's great and and really at the end of the day it's smart to keep everybody safe smart to keep them off airplanes uh i'm just curious to see what this is going to have for the future of this schedule obviously june and july and august or july and august september and all that is far far away we're even far far away from uh november in the finale but that's where my brain automatically goes to is the finale is at phoenix this year it's not at homestead it's at phoenix and you know that's flying all the way out west and bringing everybody out west for the season finale and it's like you know what's this thing going to be doing here by the time we reach november so still a long way away and still i think nascar has a few months to make that decision but just something to keep in mind going forward and i think philip you know i guess what my next question is do you think we're going to see this you know these these groups of racetracks we've pretty much uh extended as far as we can go so far uh, maybe from Daytona, we haven't gone to Daytona, but, you know, with Talladega and, um, you know, that group of racetracks, that real area, the southeast, I think we've extended pretty much as far as we can. Richmond, what Phil, uh, Spencer mentioned, that's losing a date, um, but, you know, they don't really want to go up, I don't think, past, you know, the, the, the Martinsville is right over the border in Virginia. Um, 
So I guess what I'm asking is, do you think this group of racetracks that we see will continue to get races until we see, you know, uh, some kind of, of real drop off with this with this whole virus? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think right now they're going to stay local because they don't have the testing and some of the other things that they probably need to do to make sure that they can travel. Uh, also, I think they would be fine with going up north, but in our case, when the state of New Jersey, you consider New York, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, all these, the, the relative area, there's more of a restriction here than there is in other parts of the country. So there's that. That has to be taken into account. Of course, when you consider Sonoma's gone, they're not going to run there this year uh, for for cop or whatever. So that's gone. We've already taken that out. I'm not sure about Auto Club. I, I, you know, I'm not sure if that's out, but I figure it's a one race. It is what it is. That's not a big loss. Uh, you know, so that's gone. Uh, they they, they want to make sure that they can get to Phoenix because they went through so many, so much trouble to make sure they could go and race at Phoenix for this finale, even though they've destroyed the racetrack. So I figure they're going to be trying to figure out a way to get everybody out there in November. I do think that Daytona hasn't come in, in just yet because they don't, they're already messing with tradition as it is by removing the July the 4th event. Uh, so, I mean, I think Indianapolis, they're going to have a double header with, with NASCAR and IndyCar uh, during the July the 4th weekend. But before that is when Pocono would be. They haven't said anything about that yet. But Pocono's always been pliable and would probably be willing to move accordingly based on government. I would figure that tracks that they have, I think Richmond might come back into play there. That might be a spot where right now Richmond they're not able to go to. But you give them a few weeks, they might be able to get back to Richmond because they're running at Martinsville. You go run at Richmond at the end of the month of of June to make up that race, and then they go to then there would be a travel. They'd be traveling to Indianapolis, and uh, for the July the fourth weekend for the Brickyard 400, and that would be the first real uh, theoretical flyaway race. Uh, at that point, I think that's what their game plan would be based on them getting the schedule out this far. They're giving themselves openings to figure out what's going to happen with Pocono. If that may go and they could go and kind of divert and go towards Indianapolis that way, which would be closer anyway. Or if not, then they'll stay down south, possibly go to Richmond and go to Indianapolis after that to maintain uh, for safety purposes. And based on what they're doing or what what safety and uh, things they have going on, that's probably what they have to do. And to make sure, I think there's going to be a reevaluation after Charlotte. It's fine they announced all this stuff. It's fine and well and it's great. Uh, but there's going to definitely be a reevaluation once the whole Charlotte weekend goes through around and during Memorial Day weekend and all those races get run. Uh, that's when we'll find out where everything's at and truly know uh, how solid the situation is as they move forward to this next stage of the season. Yeah, and, and 
you know, we talked about the Cup Series schedule. Other races added uh, as well for the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series. So let me get those out there for you if you haven't really heard. So um, the last race we've obviously run for the Xfinity Series was Phoenix LS Track 200. Then we run, we'll run the March on May 19th, excuse me, uh, the Darling, that, that'll be before the Wednesday Darlington race. It will be a Tuesday Xfinity Series race, 200-miler at Darlington. Monday, May 25th, this is after the Coca-Cola 600, uh, on Memorial Day, May 25th, the ASCO 300 from Charlotte Motor Speedway. Then the, the following Saturday, May 30th, Cheddar's 300 from Bristol. This is the Xfinity Series now. Saturday, June 6th, Echo Park 250, Atlanta Motor Speedway. Then the Xfinity Series, something very interesting you're going to see Two races at Homestead Miami Speedway back-to-back on Saturday and Sunday, both 250 miles, Saturday, June 13th, and Sunday, June 14th, before the Cup Series race, a 250-mile race for the Xfinity Series as well. Then they will go to Talladega for the Money Lion 300. The, rest of the, the remainder of the schedule is to be announced, so that would put uh, the Xfinity Series at 11 races. The Truck Series, uh, they have run two races so far this year, Daytona and Las Vegas. Um, they will run. They've announced that they're going to run three races from now until June 13th. On Tuesday, May 26th, they're going to run the North Carolina Education Lottery 200 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Then Saturday, June 6th, the Vet Ticks slash Camping World 200 from Atlanta Motor Speedway. And Saturday, June 13th, Diabetes Can Break Your Heart 200, Homestead Miami Speedway. Uh, that is for the Gander Outdoor NRV Truck Series schedule, and the remainder schedule is to be announced. So. Um, you know, and also they're going to run an ALCA race at Talladega uh, with the Cup Series as well in the Xfinity Series. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can look that up. But listen, I think NASCAR, there's going to be a lot of eyes on this weekend, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people paying attention to just how they do things. And, you know, the garage areas are going to be spread out, but they're really not going to spend much time in the garage area. I think to me, and, and I know we talked about this last week, as hypotheticals, and, and maybe you guys will disagree, to me the biggest problem is uh, the fact that, you know, the pit crews, that's what I'm worried about the most right now, is that we're going to have live pit stops. Now, again, I talked about, and it's true, how that would really affect the racing. Uh, it would take away a lot of strategy. It would take away a lot of, um, of you know, just the pureness of, of stock car racing, um, it would take a lot of that away. So I'm I'm happy they didn't do it in one way, but I'm I'm a little nervous because that to me is where the, these teams are going to be the closest, um, and everybody to me that's where the highest risk is going to be. Now, uh, you know they're they're going to be monitoring people all weekend there, all all that day. So you know if somebody's sick, they're going to pull them right out of the racetrack. Um, but and, and they're limiting the number of people who are going to be at the track that are not pick crew members. I think it's three or four per team or something like that nature. So not going to be a lot of people there. No fans. It's going to be very weird. Um, but it, it's something unprecedented. We're never, we will never see anything like this again. We've never seen anything like this before. Um, and, uh, you know, it, I think they're doing a good job and we'll see, you know, we'll see how this plays out. All eyes are going to be on it. And, and we talk again and, and you know, I'm not sure what everybody's schedule is, but I would like to do a show. Uh, if you're listening, you know, we're probably going to do one that Monday because there's just going to be so much to, uh, Monday next week. There's going to be so much to talk about after Darlington with how things operate there. Uh, there's going to be so much to discuss that we, we, I feel like that's something we need to do. 
Um, and then, you know, of course, we've got that Wednesday race, and we'll know a lot more about how these things operate uh, and how this racing is going to go after that Wednesday event and really after Sunday's event. Um, it's it's very good. So uh, I'm, I'm just excited we're going to see racing back. I know it's it's not exactly the whole real deal. Fans can't be there. We can't go there and, and um, you know, shake the driver's hands and stuff. And, you know, maybe all of us can learn something from this. Philip talked about it before. Uh, and he brought up a good point. You know, this is sort of, you know, I forget what word you used, but, you know, a preview to what we're going to see in 2021. Uh, yes, thank you. And, you know, I think that all of us can learn something from this, myself included, where, you know, we take some of this stuff for granted, going to these racetracks, you know, and, and seeing the drivers and having the access that we have. And we all we got to do is pay a little bit of money to go there and do that, you know, and we're not going to be able to do that for a while. Um, you know, we complain about stupid little things and we sit there and go, well, at least, you know, we have racing every week. And maybe some of us even will look at it and hopefully, you know, at least for me on, on my standpoint is, and I love racing, I don't want anybody, but 36 races is a lot, is a lot of races. It's a long, long season. And, and this break to me was, you know, as bad as it was to sit through, it was almost a good thing in a way because you sit there and you miss it a little bit. And you go, man, I really, really love it love it you know you know you love it you watch old races you're like man i'm tired of watching all these old races i'm tired of watching the iron races i'm tired of watching i want to watch the real thing again you know you're itching for it and uh that that to me you know with, with all the bad stuff that's going on some of that negative stuff uh you know the positive thing is that i'm gonna be everybody's gonna be really excited to go racing again and maybe we'll take some of the stuff that we took for granted maybe we won't take it for granted as much anymore at least for uh the near future but I want to thank Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here tonight. Um, it's going to be a wild weekend at Darlington. Hope everybody enjoys what they want, what they see on Sunday. I uh, hope you guys had a good time tonight, and we'll see you next time on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.